And so uh, a lot of times people will say this about our world. Let's say we live in a dark world, especially when something bad happens. If you see something bad in the news, or if you see something bad, uh, they just talk about that. Sometimes they'll say the darkness in the world. They'll say the evil in the world. They'll say this world is broken. This world is, is it's this feeling that there is something wrong in the world. And we have this viewpoint that things are just not the way they should be. Well, the world will often talk about this. It'll talk about the dark and the light. And even if you're looking at entertainment, you're looking at like a movie or a TV show or a book that you're reading, you'll see this very commonly. And they'll, talk, they'll divide things up. They'll have the bad guys and the heroes. And the bad guys, they usually will tie to the dark, right? They'll say they're in the darkness, they're on the side of darkness. And the heroes, they will put with the side of light. Um, even in, like, I grew up as a kid, one of the kind of movies that I watched when I was young was cowboy movies. I don't know if any of you guys ever watched westerns or cowboy movies. But the old cowboy movies especially, they would use this symbol. And the symbol was the black hat. So when you see a guy coming in with a black hat, you're like, oh, he's the bad guy. The bad guy is black hat. Now you see movies sometimes again, you know, the good guys wear the black hat. I don't know, they, they mix it up. And then one of my favorite movies when I was a kid was Star Wars. And Star Wars, of course, has a guy who's all in dark, right? Dark, dark. You know, another word for darkness, dark Vader. And so Darth Vader is this symbol, this darkness, this symbol. And he represents the dark side of the force, this, this dark and powerful thing that can turn people from the good to the bad. And so I'm not going to talk a lot about those things, but I just want you to recognize that this is something that even in the world, even people who don't believe in God and don't believe uh, in the truth of the Bible, they will see this in the world, and they will see that darkness will often represent what is evil or wrong or bad, and the light is used to represent what is good. Uh, you can see this in politics, and there's a funny story. Years ago, I was in the country of Turkey, and one of you know, the political parties, they, they make advertisements. And one of the things uh, that political parties do, they don't just say what's good about them. They want to say what's bad about somebody else, right? And so one of the most popular parties in Turkey was the light party. And so they would have, a, their symbol is always a light bulb. And so one of their opponents wanted to say something bad about them. And they used this picture. And they had a picture of a light bulb with a white background. And then they had a picture of a light bulb that was out, not lit up, in a dark background. And they would say, today, light, tomorrow, darkness. So they were trying to say, you go for this party, you're choosing the darkness, you're choosing something that is bad. They didn't win the campaign, so I don't you know how effective that was, but but you see this uh, in many different ways. It's kind of just a general principle that darkness is considered to be associated with something evil or bad. The Bible uses this meaning as well. When you read through the Bible, you'll see this. You'll see it in both the Old Testament and the New Testament uh, throughout the scripture. And one of the authors in the Bible who used this the most was the Apostle John. And so we're going to be looking at several passages from God's Word today that talk about this. Uh, but our main text for today is the one that we read earlier, which was from a letter that the Apostle John wrote in 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And that's our main text today. So I'm going to read through this again. But as I read through it this time, 
listen to what it says about light and darkness. So this is 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. And it reads, This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. For if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So this actually says a lot about God. It says a lot about light and darkness. There are many, many points. The first one I want to, to just say uh, is it makes a point that should be obvious to all of us, and that is God is very different than we are. God is not the same. We are human. Me, you, all of us, we are human. This says there is no darkness in God. God is without fault. He, is, he has no evil. He has no darkness. There's no dark side. There's a, 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 a some beliefs in the world where they'll say there's an all-powerful light and there's an all-powerful darkness. And they kind of split the world in two. But the Bible says that's not true. The Bible says there is only one all-powerful, and that is God. And there is no darkness in him. He does not contain darkness. Uh, when Jesus was on this earth, even though he was fully human, he did not sin, he did nothing wrong, because he was full of God. But we aren't like that. This passage is making a different point about us. We are not like God. We are not without darkness. We are, the word they use is sinners. We are all with sin. And this verse explains it very clearly. It says, if you're someone who says, I have no sin, I've done nothing wrong, this says that you're a liar. Anyone who says that they are without sin is a liar. Why are we on this earth? Why are we living in this world? We are sinners. I'm a sinner, and so are each of you. Paul writes about the same thing later uh, in the book of Romans. Uh, and I'm just going to quote a couple of verses there. The first one is Romans 3.23. Paul says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That means everybody. The same thing that John has said, that every person who lives on this earth is a sin, and they all fall short of God's standard. Later in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. These are very important universal truths. They say... We are all sinners. We've all done things that are wrong. We all are people who do things wrong. And because of that, we all deserve to die. And he uses the term wages. You know, if you work the job, you expect your wages. Now, I know in cycles sometimes you work a job and they don't give you your wages, unfortunately. That's the sin of a different time, right? But they use the term wages to help you know that this is what you deserve for what you've done. You have done this, you've done this work, you've done this task, and you're going to get the payment that you deserve for that. And the Bible says the payment for our sin, the wage we deserve, the payment that we will see is death. But praise God, this verse does not stop there. It doesn't end with the wages of sin is death. It goes on to say the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
So we deserve to be paid death for our sins. But Paul tells us that there is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And this is the greatest news in the history of mankind, that we who are sinners, we who deserve death, could somehow escape that through this way that God has made through Jesus Christ. And it's important to remember that even though we have, or many of you may have, accepted this free gift from God of eternal life in Christ Jesus, we continue to live in this dark world. And today that's what I'm going to talk about. What it's like to live in this dark world as people who know our eternity is secure still face the challenges of living that. And earlier we read 1 John 1, 7. In those verses that we read, one of the verses, it talks about this path for followers of Jesus. And the path that we have is that if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, the Son, cleanses us from all sin. This is a path that all Christians should want to follow. This is the path that we should want to do and be on. And as long as we continue to live in this dark world, uh, it says if we follow the path that Christ Jesus has looked out for us, we will experience the daily presence of Christ in our lives and the fellowship of other believers, other followers of Jesus who are on that path with us. So the question of the day that we try to answer uh, is a much bigger question maybe than the question we ask as kids, are you afraid of the dark? The question we're going to answer is how do we walk in the light? Because it talks about this. It says if we walk in the light. So how do we walk in the light? Fortunately, the Bible gives us a lot of help with this. It doesn't just say walk in the light and give us no clue about how we can do that. It gives us many, many different verses that help us to understand what it is and what it means to walk in the light. And so the first one we want to look at is the one that we looked at earlier. And this is from Psalm 119, 105. It's the verse I quoted to children. And if you don't know, the book of Psalms uh, is a collection of writings from people offering praise and, and worship to God. And the book, uh, the chapter, Psalm 119, uh, 119, is the longest chapter in Scripture. And this chapter especially is a long poem that talks about what God's word means to us. And so this verse says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And this is just a promise from God that after giving your life to Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, and you have this great thing for God to give you direction and to show you the way to go. It's to show you the path that you can go on in your daily life. Through the Bible, it says, your word, the word of God, is a lamp to our feet and a light in the path. It's the thing, just like when you turn that light on when you're in dark staircase, or when you turn that light on when you're out in the countryside and you can't see the trail, God's word is that thing that when we're in the darkness can show us the way that we need to go. And we're not going to look at the whole chapter. As I said, it's the longest chapter of the Bible. But I would encourage each of you to take time this week to read Psalm 119 because it actually goes into some of the details of the way that God's word can help us. Another passage that gives us some hints about how we can walk in the light is this one that we read earlier from the book of Ephesians. And so if you want to turn there, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, again, Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 14. We read these earlier, our brother Adrian read them, uh, and we read along, but we'll go back there to read them again and look at them again. So Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 14 says, 
For one time, you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So that first verse, it actually says that we were darkness. Without Christ, we were darkness. We were just in darkness. Darkness is what we were made in. But it says, now you are light in the Lord. We're not light because it's who we are. We're light in the Lord. And so it says, this, this reminder, this important reminder for people who call themselves Christian, walk as children of light. Going on, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. And when everything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So a lot of pictures there, pictures of the fruitfulness of being in the light, the fruitlessness of being without fruit, of being in the dark. This picture of, of a sleeper, someone who is dead and who has been awakened. This these are just helpful pictures, visuals for us to get in our heads to realize what it means to walk in the light, to walk as children of the light. And you think about children. Children come from a family. They come from their parents. They're representatives of their family. They are, you know, often you can look at kids. This isn't the case 100% of the time, but often you can look at children and you say, I see their mom or I see their dad. I can see the representation of them. They look like their parents. They look like their family. They are connected to them. And this is saying we are no longer children of darkness. We are children of the light. And so we are to walk as representatives and products of the saving light of Christ. It also mentions about fruit, the fruit of light, the unfruitful works of darkness. Another picture, you know, trees uh, where you grew up, you may have a lot of fruit trees where you're from. Or you may have you know, different vines that grow different kinds of fruit. And you learn very quickly as a child that if you want to get an apple, you have to have an apple tree. If you want to get a banana, you need to have a banana tree. You know, these specific fruits come from these specific kinds of trees or plants. And that's what it's talking about that light produces a specific kind of fruit, and darkness pursues, you know, produces something different. We bear fruit according to our connection to either light and the darkness. And the last thing I want to mention that Paul talked about is just when he said, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. And thinking about what it means to expose things to the light. The sin in our life, the things that we do wrong, the things that you do wrong, hate the light. They fear the light. They do not want to be in the light. When you have things that are wrong in your life, they do not want to be exposed. They do not want to be made visible. And that's the point that Paul's talking about. You know this. You know everyone likes to see the sins of other people. You know, we see the mistakes that other people do. We like to point those out, you know, hopefully not your friends. But like when you see a story of someone who you don't like and they've done something wrong and got caught, you have a little bit inside of you that says, I'm happy about that. You probably never say that, maybe you would say that out loud, but there's something inside you that rejoices when the sins of others are brought into the light. But in yourself, you're not like that, right? You want to cover it up. 
You would do anything to avoid having the things you've done wrong brought into the light. When we have our own sins and our own mistakes, that's how we act. And the thing about walking in the light is when you keep your life in the light of Christ, when you walk in that way, you don't have to fear the light. There's very little risk or little concern of having what you're done exposed. If you can imagine, you know, someone who is who wants to be in a public role, whether it's you know a politician or something. You know, we had a very famous politician this week who resigned from his position because many of his sins were brought to the light. Uh, that was one of the main reasons that brought us downfall. But if you don't walk in darkness, then you don't have to fear the light. You don't have to worry about having the things you've done wrong exposed. Our sins and the things we've done uh, wrong always want to stay in secret to avoid that. And wherever you look, you see these same kinds of things. You see someone has done something wrong, and they'll do anything they can to cover it up. Often, they'll do something worse than what they're trying to cover up. It's often this way with lies. You know, you see someone has told a little lie, let's say a little white lie, or a, a little lie to try to get and bend the truth. And then they end up telling more lies and more lies to cover it up because they fear having that lie exposed. They want to do everything they can to keep it in the dark. But Christians are called to live a very different life than this. As Christians, we should have no fear of the light. If you live your life according to the teachings of God's word, it says you have no fear of man. We only have fear of God because we stay in the light. So practically, how do we stay in the light? You know, in your uh, probably if you you know asked and we took a poll here and said do you want to stay in the light, most people would raise their hand. Do you want to stay on that path? People would raise their hand. But practically, how do we stay in the light? And I think if we're honest with ourselves, uh, we usually know the answer to that question. Think back. We're not going to call on anybody and make them say this out loud. But think back to bad decisions that you've made. Decisions that you've made that you're now like, I cannot believe I did that. I can't believe I made that choice. Did you know that there is one thing that every bad decision you've ever made has in common? There's one thing that every bad decision you've made has in common. It's you, right? You were there for every one of your bad decisions. You're the common element. You're the one that was involved in the making of that decision. Now, sometimes we want to say to ourselves, yeah, but I didn't have any other choice. I didn't, I didn't have any choice about that. I, I know it was a bad decision. I know I shouldn't have done it, but circumstances made it where that was the only option, or it was the only thing I could choose. Um, I just want to say that's probably not true. Maybe in that moment, in that second, it might have seemed like the only option. But the thing about those bad decisions, and the thing that led you to those bad decisions, is there's often a lot of other decisions that lead you to that point. And I guarantee you, there was a point before you got to that that you had it with and you probably had an easy choice, and you made the wrong one. If you don't know, I was training as a counselor, and I used to do uh, counseling with people, uh, especially in the United States, when we were, before we moved overseas. And we talked about addiction, 
And we talked about working with people who are addicted to something. You know, whether it's addicted to drugs or alcohol or some other thing that can destroy their lives. And the thing about addiction is addicted people slowly give away all their freedom. They start out free of addiction. No one starts out addicted. They start out completely free, but they slowly give all of their freedom away, the addiction. And you can give an example like, there might be a man who's an alcoholic. He knows he has a major problem with alcohol. He knows the destructive impact that it can have on his life. And I can tell you, I might, in one of my counseling sessions, have had a discussion like this with a man addicted to alcohol. And it might go like this. He would say, counselor, I was at work. I was doing fine. But then I got off work. And I drove home. And I turned. And I went to the store. And I got to the store. And I walked down the aisle where they sell all the alcohol and the liquor. And then I... I knew I shouldn't, but I, I bought that. And then I, I knew I, I nobody I didn't want to show them that I bought it, so I, I put it in a bag and hid it and I brought it home. And then I waited until everybody was gone. And then I got it out. And then I took the glass. And then I took that alcohol and I poured it in the glass. And then you know what, counselor? I just wasn't strong enough to to avoid drinking. I had to drink it. You know, he might be telling the truth in that moment, because he's an addict. And in that second, when the alcohol is in the glass right there in front of him, it might be the truth that he wasn't strong enough to avoid drinking it. But what happened before that? How many decisions were there before that? How many decisions did he make to turn down the street where the liquor store was? Or to go down the aisle? Or to bring it home? There are all these different decisions that we make that lead us to those places. And it's step by step that we go. And this is the way that we bring ourselves into the darkness. We make a choice. And maybe that choice isn't too bad. Maybe it's just not really good. You know, maybe it's a choice that is just a small little step turning us away from the light. And we do that. We take that little step, and that little step is just a little bit of turning away from God. And we start to make similar choices. We make them step by step. None of these things are very good. None of them are very significant. But every one of them is leading us on a different way, a different path, leading us out of the light and into the darkness. And in the end, what do we get? We reap the fruits of darkness, because that's where we find ourselves. If you think about your past, think about and look back and think about the things in your past. Do you see those steps? Can you remember a time when you made a step like that, when you took a step away from God? And it was not something that seemed like a sin. It didn't seem like a really big thing. But those little steps were the path that led you away from God. And now you look back and you think, maybe if I just done something different. Back when I, before I was in, before I was in that spot where I didn't have a choice, maybe if I had made a different choice earlier on, things wouldn't have turned out the way they did. So to walk in the light at a practical level is to avoid those choices, to avoid the steps that you're going to lead you into darkness. The Bible talks about a holy way, that we are called to be holy. 
But the holiness is not dependent on you and me. It's not dependent on our own strength. It's actually impossible for us to obtain holiness on our own strength. I remember when I first became a Christian, I heard some verses, and I kind of thought, what does that mean? You know, what, what, is, what are you talking about there? Because there are verses in the Bible, and if you actually look, this is very commonly referred to in the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament. It says, be holy. There is a command to the followers of God to be holy. There was a command back in the Old Testament to the people of Israel to be holy. There is a command in the New Testament to be holy. And there's a verse in Matthew, Matthew 5, 48. Matthew 5, 48 says, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' words, You, therefore, must be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Now this, do you know yourself? Do you know your own heart? I know my heart. I know my thoughts. When I first heard these verses, I always thought the same thing. I thought, holy? Me? Perfect? Me? You know, if you know yourself, I think those are good, honest questions. Logical questions. You know, you know, I can be holy for, for time. I can do perfect for a day. Maybe a few days in a row, I could be holy. But you know how hard it is to stay in that path. Every moment and every day, staying holy seems impossible. Paul knew about this, and he actually wrote about this in Romans. And so I'm going to read from Romans chapter 7. Romans 7, 14 through 20, Paul talks about this struggle. Paul is acknowledging to the, the church, to us, that there's a struggle involved in this. And Paul is speaking from his own personal experience about his struggle. And so in Romans chapter 7, verses 14 to 20, Paul says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold under sin. For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law, and that is good. That it is good. So now it is no longer I do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want. But the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin as well as within me. I don't want to try to read that really quickly because it's kind of a twister. But it's Paul talking about, and I think verse 15 is kind of a good summary of that passage. He says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. Have you ever felt like that? Like, I know what the right thing was to do. And yet I found myself doing the thing that I hate, the thing that I do. Every addict has done that. Every person I talk to in counseling has done that. Because they they were there for their own bad decisions. They were there for the own mistakes that they made. And they talked about those. And Paul understood this situation very well. We live in this dark, fallen world. And we are sinners. That is the reality. That is the truth. To say that I'm not a sinner has no benefit. To say that we're all basically good, the world is basically good, is a lie. It's not true. 
we have this same problem that Paul is describing here. And yet we read those verses in the Bible where it says, we are to be holy, we are to be perfect. So how can this be? How is this possible? How can we be holy? How can we be perfect? And yet still be sinners in a fallen and dark world. Going back to John, but this time the book of John, the Gospel of John. John 1. In John 1, beginning in verse 1, the author writes of Jesus, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, was not anything made that was made. In him was light, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then skipping down to verse 9, uh, 1 9 says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And so the promise of God is not that you have the power to overcome sin. It's not the promise that you have the power to overcome darkness. Instead, the problem, the, the focus is always on Christ. It's always on Jesus. It's always on the strength of God. And as we focus, if you ever go to a church or to a religion or a faith and they tell you it's up to you, they're lying to you. We are incapable of doing this on our own. But what he's saying here is that our source of hope, our source of strength, is found in Christ. And it says that darkness is not overcoming. It says the true light, which gives light to everyone who's coming to the world, the true light of God came into this world in the form of Jesus Christ. Jesus was God, but he was man. He lived on this earth, and by living in this dark, fallen world, this world that we face and we live in every day, he was perfect. He was without sin. He was holy. Jesus showed us a way. He made a holy way to mankind. He faced every temptation that we do, and yet was without sin. And we can learn this way by looking at the teachings of Jesus and by examining his life and seeing the way that he lived. So our first question, the question that we ask, the main question is, how do we walk in the light? And the answer is to look to Christ. And the reason is, his way and path that Jesus showed us never departs from the light. The light. It never enters the darkness. When we go with Jesus, we are always the light. Because he has no contact, no Nothing to do with the dark in any way. So this is the way. This is the path. The path that stays in the light is the path that Jesus showed us. But, as he said, we are in this world and we are still weak. As Paul said, we still do not what we want, but the very thing we hate. So we know the true way to live, and yet we still have difficulty staying on the path. So what can we do? Well, we need each other. We need each other. God is sufficient. God is enough. Our only hope is in Him. And yet, in His wisdom, 
and understanding everything about us, including all of our frailties and weaknesses, he established his church. He established the people of God as a community, knowing that we are weak, knowing that we sometimes fall, and we sometimes do the things that we hate. He put us together. He gave us his church. And Christ, God designed the church to provide help for one another. We can be helping one another to know how to live. We can be helping one another to turn away from the darkness, to turn away from those dark decisions. And that doesn't come by just sitting and listening to me preach. That comes by being in each other's lives and caring enough that when you see a friend and they're starting to make those choices to turn away from the light, to be the brother or sister of Christ, to go up to them and put your arm around them and tell them that you love them and tell them that you love them too much to let them destroy their lives by turning away from the law. And that's what it means to be a part of the church. It's not attending a meeting. It's not just sitting here and listening to the pastor. It's being the body of Christ, being that body that is dependent on one another. As the Bible says, it's not just cutting off the finger because it's not good anymore. But seeing it as something that needs to be reclaimed and needs to be brought back. And we can get the help that we need for living in this dark world, for living in a world that is filled with things that can lead us astray. And with God and with his church, we can stay in the light. And by doing this, that's how we live in the light. That's how we walk in the light. And that's how we remain children of the light. And this is a much better way for each of us. By staying in the life, you can make better decisions. By walking along with your family, your Christian family, you can make better decisions. You can make decisions that won't leave you in that place where you're looking back and saying, if only I had not done that. If only I could make a better choice. Living with fewer regrets and living a meaningful life, a life of purpose, a life that is invested in eternity. Because ultimately, what is going to last forever that's in this room? Human souls, the people around you. So when you think, I want to do something that's important, something that will last, that's found in everybody in this room. That's found in the people that God has brought into your life. And by caring enough to do what the Bible has said and asked us to do, we have the power to make a difference that lasts forever for eternity. Because it's not in us, it's in investing in Christ, knowing Him, and challenging others to walk with Him. So as you look ahead into the future, you can choose to walk in the light. But the first step is you have to give your life to Jesus. Because, as we said, many times in this text, that we're looking at these passages, we do not have it in ourselves to stay on the right path. It's only in the power of Christ that we can. And so if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have not given your life to Him, then that is the first step to coming into the light. Because you cannot stay on the right path without him. And today is a perfect day to give your life to him. 
If you want to know how to do that, talk to your friends, talk to the pastors or the pastors here, and we would love to help you know more about that. But if you're a follower of Christ, think about your future. What kind of future do you want? Do you want a future in the light or in the darkness? What past is finished? You know, maybe you have a lot of regrets about the decisions and choices that you made in the past. Maybe you feel a lot of shame about the things that have happened before. That's the devil talking. Because God does not want you to focus on that. He wants you to focus on that. He wants you to know that the important choices are the ones you make for today and every day after this. As you choose to walk in the light, as you choose that better path, as you choose to be silent. And it's a much better life. God knows what's good for us far better than we do ourselves. Do you trust him enough to walk in the light? Do you trust him enough to give your life to him? You should. He is way more trustworthy than you can trust him. Or anyone else. And so we're going to take a few minutes, just a minute here, to close in prayer. And I want to ask if you have a, a phone or a device or anything that could distract you, just to set it aside. And we're going to just take a minute, and I'll lead us in prayer. But we're going to be answering that question: What is it that we want from here on out? Do we want to walk in the light or in the darkness? So bow your heads. I'm going to see you in silence. And I'll close this prayer. Thank you. 